Hi, this is Dr. Shane and Dre Weber. And if you want to take your communication skills to the next level, you need to be listening to the Art of Communication podcast with my good friend, Greg Rice. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life, so let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. What's up, guys? Today I had the opportunity to sit down with Shane and Jeray Weber. Shane and Jeray have been married for more than 20 years, and they have four kids together. But they also both happen to be marriage and family counselors, and they have partnered together on a number of successful entrepreneurial ventures over the last 18 years. Today they are co-founders of Intentional Life Therapy and Next Level Couples. And we talked about their secrets for how they've been able to lead a successful business and a successful marriage together for many, many years. Now, I find it challenging to do one or the other, let alone both, and I know a lot of others do as well. We talked about the importance of communication, clarity, expectations, and honesty to both your family, your relationship, but also your business. And we dug into how to ask really powerful questions and get people to go deep and open up. On that side, I wanted to get into their expertise as counselors to understand how they go about it so that we can all ask better questions and connect more deeply with the folks that we're talking with. So it was a real pleasure talking with Shane and Jeray, and, and I learned a ton about how I can connect better with my own family. So I know that you're going to take away a lot of great tips from this episode. Jeray and Shane, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Excited to have you guys on today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I think we're going to get into some really interesting topics around how to manage relationships in the context of running a business, right? Whether that be running the business together or running a business and then trying to stay connected to your family. Right, right, right. But, but I'd love if we could just start off by hearing a little bit about your practice and the kind of work that you guys are doing today, and then we'll kind of take it from there. So we, we have two businesses, and the, what you just mentioned in our practice, we're, we're both licensed marriage and family therapists, and we own a clinic called Intentional Life Therapy in Cedar Park, Texas. And so we, we both see clients here and then we also have other, other therapists um, that uh, see folks in the building as well. So Dre and I do kind of different things. So I, we both see couples, um, but I also kind of my specialty outside of that is I see adolescents a fair bit. Mm. And Dre primarily sees couples. Yeah, I like to work with the high conflict couples get them up and running. That, that brings me joy. It's, it's definitely needed. You know, it's difficult to get through conflicts when you're just yelling at each other all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. one of those people that, you know, I like to see the fruits of my labor, so to speak. <laughs> and um, not being insensitive, but you can see the fruits of your labor sometimes with, with those dynamics. So yeah. now both of you being marriage counselors, are you ever allowed to like argue, you know, and <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> it's funny we get that. Like people will say, "Hey, you must have the perfect relationship." No, and I'm like, yeah. "No, I yeah. still do the stupid stuff that every man does." You know, so I make mistakes like everybody does. I, I'd say the the one thing that probably does help us is we might shorten the time frame, mm -hmm. you know, for recovery. 
Yeah, um, that's, so, that's accurate. So because of when I see that I've made the mistake, I think I'm quicker to go, you know, back up and fix it than maybe some people that drag it out. And, and then they end up, you know, coming to see us later, these conflict issues, because they end up in a system where, you know, they can't break and it's a negative um, system. So they end up, uh, you know, I do this and she does that and it becomes a mess. I think one of the things that I've learned from being a therapist is um, growing emotional maturity myself, which contributes to our relationship. Because when we first got married, I was very low on the emotional maturity scale. And I was, um, I think, very selfish and self-centered and uh, prideful. And there's just a whole, I don't know how. She he, was a mess. I don't know how he <laughs> valued in me, but he did. And I, I don't know up. how I, I hung in there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But I think I've learned, um, you know, to be more humble and to be more sensitive and compassionate and, and towards Shane and, and to be able to convey my, my needs and my wants. And that's not a sign of weakness. That's actually strength and it mm -hmm. strengthens our marriage and our relationship when I learn to do those things. So it's, it's been a selfish experience. I think I've learned a lot myself being a therapist. I, I tell my clients this all the time that... I, I love being a therapist because, and I'll even tell them this because I'm not going to make that mistake right there. <laughs> <laughs> and that, they laugh too. They're like, oh, okay. I'm glad I could help you, Shane. <laughs> you learn from them, right? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That didn't work out well, right? That's but I, what Dre says is really true. Like we grow from doing this. So like, although we love to help people, there is this selfish aspect of being a therapist if you're honest um, because we get a lot out of it. You know, so we, we grow and we're constantly talking to people about how to make progress and how mm -hmm. to create good relationships. And we learn every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. And I tell you, it's a topic that keeps coming up again and again. You know, the best way to improve your relationships or be a better leader, communicate more effectively is really to work on yourself first. No matter who I talk to, it always comes back to that. I think you got to build yourself and that's going to make you a better person, a better relationship, a better communicator, a better leader. That's exactly right. And that is exactly what our next level couple challenge is about when we, did you bring up that already? No. Oh, no, no, no. That's the <laughs> other business that we have. Well, tell me a little bit about that. That definitely sounds interesting. <laughs> so we've developed a, a series of courses to help couples get on track as far as learning about how to implement empathy and humility and compassion um, towards others into your life, working on yourself and then showing them how that plays into your relationship and, and how they can use that themselves and in their relationships. So we're really excited about that program. What you said prior to that about, you know, change, working on yourself, the whole course is about that. Like in the very beginning, we're like, you can't come into this course and go, hey, you need to fix this and you need to fix that. And, that, and, and we get that, of course, in therapy yeah. all the time. Like if he would just stop doing this or she'd stop doing that or start doing this. And, and the only thing we really have control over is how I behave and so and how i respond to her and so and if you want a different result then you you can change you to get the result you want so if if i change how i'm interacting with my wife it's kind of like uh, you just become an experimenter and i tell my clients this all the time like when you start getting the right result then you, you need to be paying attention to what you just did right because mm -hmm. i did this and then this happened 
oh, yay, okay, I need to pay attention. Write this down. <laughs> what did I do differently? And so every time we make these little tweaks uh, to our behavior and learn something new, and that's why I love therapy. I love reading, too, because I'm like, I'm just looking for that another little tweak I can make so that we can keep making progress. Yeah, and it's not, it's not manipulation. I don't want people to think in that terms that, oh, well, you're just manipulating somebody to get what you want. Uh, I think manipulation has a, a, ma a malicious intent behind it. When, what we're seeking for is connection. And so when we study our partner, we, we look for how we're connecting to them. We look for the nonverbals. We check in with them with questions. We check in with how we're responding to them and how they respond to us in return. That is searching for connection. That is not manipulation. There's a difference between the two. So I, I remember reading something recently. It was to the point of uh, the communicator is responsible for the message that's taken away, right? It's not... Um, the responsibility is not on the listener, it's on the communicator. And I think that, and, and the way you do that well is by understanding the person who you're communicating with. Um, so I think it's critical to think of things in that term, in those terms, and that's absolutely not manipulation. It's just understand the other person. It's actually more caring, I think, than the reverse and just hoping that they walk away with what I want them to walk away with. Yes. Yes. As an employer, we've been employers. We don't employ as many people as we used to, but as employers, we used to own a home care agency. So we had, I don't know, 50-something employees. Mm -hmm. And the way somebody needed to hear the message was very different, right? Mm -hmm. And so we needed to adapt so that we got the result, right? So if you wanted an employee to follow a certain rule and some of them just needed some positive reinforcement mm -hmm. others needed some training on like go over and show them you know others you know so we just did whatever was necessary as long as they were you know amenable to to following rules <laughs> then we just needed to figure out we just need to figure out what they needed in terms of getting them into the into the right position so so as like as a leader or employer you know you just have to adapt yeah. and, and same thing in your relationship you adapt to your partner all the time and so sometimes people say well you know i didn't marry the right person because you know they would they would know these things or get these things or whatever and the truth is there's no perfect match that they're going to understand everything that you say or think or do or uh -huh. every body language and all of that we just have to learn and adapt to each other all the time and even though dre and i've been married tw over 20 years we're still learning and so and we're getting better and i'd say that it's even more fun in a lot of ways now than it was even in the beginning um just because we know each other so well and we've adapted to many different situations and and the little nuances of our of our own personalities and that's to me that's the richness of having a long-term relationship is because you get to really know somebody i think it's cool to to have somebody really know me and still choose to sit with me. <laughs> I, I feel that way sometimes too. <laughs> yeah. Very so, cool. Yeah, so we just adapt to each other. And I think the same thing in terms of, you know, learning to be a parent or be a mm -hmm. boss or right. be a coworker. It's all the same in terms of your communication skills and learning to adapt to others and getting that result. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned kind of leading companies, leading businesses. I'm curious if you work with a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. So you were, Shane had a referral network when we lived in Lubbock. And so he would have all kinds of entrepreneurs come, come to him for, 
guidance and advice and they really connected to Shane because Shane is good at connecting with people and they trusted him. Um, and some, some were really struggling <laughs> as entrepreneurs, um, learning the basics of what we would call interpersonal communication mm -hmm. and others were, were doing really well. So it was a lot of fun. So I should have, I should have been charging for consultation. <laughs> Cause I did this all the time, but I did, I did get paid for them to come to my referral networks. And side benefit to me was that I get to know all of these people and with all these different experiences and I would learn as much as they did, but I would help them with all kinds of different things. So they would come to me with issues and problems and uh, primarily marketing or networking kind of things. But I, and I would help them kind of figure it out and make a game plan and, and kind of, keep their business going in the right direction. But the side benefit to me was in, when I was doing that is I knew people in almost every industry. Uh -huh. So I got lots of free stuff too. So I could call, <laughs> I could call an attorney and get free time. I could call an accountant. I could call, you know, financial planners. I could go and I got all this kind of, you know, advice because I helped them. They were willing to help me um, when, when I needed something. So and that's another benefit sure. of connecting with your fellow uh, you know, entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, there's, there's this whole different kind of a mindset with entrepreneurs. And so we kind of band together because a lot of times we feel alone Yeah. as we start off. And so we're like, you know, especially in the beginning, you know, when you're working many, many hours for little, little dollars, <laughs> you know, and so with that dream of it being something else and building something else. And so, it's a different breed that's willing, you know, will quit their 40 hour a week job to work 70 hours for less money. Uh -huh. and so, <laughs> initially. <laughs> initially. <laughs> now I'll say we've, we've, we've gotten to the position where we've had it before where we had our home care agency at, it, at its peak. We took lots of time off. We actually disappeared for a month once we went, we took the family out to California and we're gone an entire month. And when we came back, we were making more money than when we left and we were like, <laughs> that's awesome. This, this is the right way to do it. Yeah. I, I tell you some of that really was like how to put people in a position to make decisions. Right. Mm -hmm. so part of it is like giving a, a message of trust to the people that work for you. Um, so I remember when we first put a person in charge of, of managing our whole office um, I told her from the beginning, I'm like, whatever decision you make, I'll support you. Um, but when you have a question about how to do something, you come to me and, I, and I'll answer it. And what happened in the beginning, she would come to me quite a bit. Like, hey, what do we do here? What do we do here? And later it became, hey, Shane, this the decision make. Was that okay? Mm -hmm. And then later even it became, Shane, I got this. Yeah. Okay. Ownership, you know, there was a sense of ownership of the business and, and she knew that we trusted her. She knew that we depended on her and she took such good care of our office, of our business. So if I could, I could say anything that's probably a top importance is really, you know, tell people what the requirements are and then trust them to do it. So okay. you got to give them a little bit of space and even space to fail, like to make some mistakes because we didn't expect perfection. So sometimes she would come to me and say, I did this and I, and I would explain, you know, I would have done this other thing. I would have done it, handled it this way. 
And then we just kind of talked through it. I said, but I'm going to support you hundred percent with what you, what you decided. So if, you know, with the caregiver or the client or whatever, whatever she said, we'd go with. Um, but it, after a little while, she was making decisions just like we would just because she kind of learned the way we, what we thought. And basically our mm-hmm. idea of running the business was always do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so she would do the right thing. So she would make it right with the client. She'd make it right with the caregiver. And so she knew that that's how we wanted our business to, to run. And so she just did it and she did the right things. And Oh my goodness. It, it was such a beautiful thing when we had the right person mm-hmm. running the ship. And eventually it got to be where I had to ask her questions because she, <laughs> and then I'm going to work going, Hey, what, what do we do about this and that? And then I thought, man, what a wonderful thing this is. I, you know, I don't know, and I, but I have a manager who does. And so but yeah. if you treat people with respect and kindness, uh, the other thing with their caregivers, like just showing a, a massive amount of appreciation for what they do. Um, that I think another thing we talked about this recently too, is that we were willing to go out and work as caregivers. Um, mm. and initially because we had to, you know, we, we had empty shifts and we didn't want to lose anything. Um, and then later I would still go out and work as a caregiver for a couple of reasons. One, if I was having a bad day, I'd go and I just, cause I'd go out and serve a client and it made me feel better. Um, and then two, because of the impact it had on our caregivers when they came and relieved me and I was there, I was the caregiver they were relieving from a shift. It had an impact and the people were, uh. you know, they knew that I didn't, I wasn't above that position, yeah. you know, that I worked to. And so I think giving that message sometimes, it, you know, of appreciation and then I'm not above you that yes, I was the owner, but, and, but I wasn't above doing what we did for, for a service. Yeah. Leading through example, right. And communicating through example. So I think that that's awesome. Now you guys have been running businesses together for a long time. So I'm curious of how you manage your business versus your personal, you know, especially from a communication perspective, right? If you have a disagreement at work, how do you turn that off and not have a disagreement personally? You know, how does that work? We don't turn it off. (laughs) No turning it off. It's all there. And so we, we get more efficient at being humble is, is what I would say. We get more efficient at being humble um, if there's a, a strong point that I want to make with Shane and, and he has a strong point, you know, we have these strong points that we both believe in. Sometimes I'll just say, maybe this means more to him than it does me. And it's not that big of a deal. And, and so I acquiesce to Shane or sometimes he acquiesces to me and, and we've gotten really good at trying to figure out, is this really important to be arguing about? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we have standstills, not very often, but sometimes we have very different views on some things. Where well, I'm right. You know what I'm talking she- about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but somehow we still kind of, we, we negotiate. Like we're, we're very different on how we should charge for things. Shane's very generous and I tend not to be as generous. <laughs> Here, here's the key though. So in any, any good business like i i don't want a bunch of people around me in my business that disagree with me yeah right that's not that helpful honestly because if, if everybody then then we're only going with my ideas and what if my idea is terrible right and so it's good to have some opposition or some different ideas thrown out and 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 if you're gonna make it as a couple if you're gonna make it as a business 
then you need to be open to that, to feedback. So one, do you pay attention to actual feedback? So like, are you busy and are you making money? You know, that kind of mm, thing. Mm-hmm. Your, does it seem like your spouse is happy or unhappy, right? There's feedback sometimes, like we stick our head in the sand and just keep doing what we're doing. You know, so you, you accept the feedback. And then, so this is earlier, Dre was talking about that emotional maturity. It's, I mean, having humility is a, and an emotional maturity. Like, can I sit and go, you know, have you tell me what I, what I kind of, what my mistake was, right? And if you're able to do that, and, and, and humility is not a weakness, it's a strength. Mm-hmm. Because then if you can listen to what your weaknesses are, now I can do something about them. And so if my business is important to me, or my spouse is important to me, hopefully they both are, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to accept the feedback so that I can make changes, right? And so businesses dissolve and marriages dissolve because mm-hmm. sometimes somebody is so stubborn that, you know, my way is the right way mm-hmm. and they're not listening and they don't have the humility to, to, to hang in there and listen. And man, that's, it's not, it's not that difficult once you kind of get in the pattern of it. Right. Because you find out things get better, right? If I sit and listen, then I get better and my relationships gets better and my business gets better. So when she says we have these standstills in our business, they're generally not that rough between the two of us. Cause we understand this, right? So I want to know her perspective because maybe there's something I didn't think of from, from my perspective. And so I want to do it this way. And I'm a, uh, entrepreneurial, I don't know, mind. And so I come up with a 47 ideas a week of, of something we can do. We had, by the way, that used to scare me. It scared <laughs> me so much when Shane would come to me with an idea because I believe I'm the doer. He tells me something. I'm like, all right, let's go and do this. And so he would have these great ideas. And I'm like, how are we going to make this happen? And how are we going to make this happen? And I finally had to communicate with him Shane, I need to know which ideas you're serious about because in my Mm -hmm. mind, you tell me this awesome idea and I start thinking how we're going to make it happen. Um, But you're just thinking about it. You're not really, you know, and so I'm just throwing out every thought that I have. Yeah, And they're great ideas, but my mind is the go and do. And so I have to, I have to share that with him and communicate because it was causing me great anxiety. (laughs) I'm like, we can't get all these done. Shane, we can't run 27 businesses (laughs) right now. Yeah. So we have found also through our experience, because entrepreneur minds sometimes are like that anyway. We're like, oh, I'm going to do this, and I can do this, and I'm going to build this, and then I'm going to do this. And, and so it is in our experience, like, that's great. And I, so what I do now is I write them down, right? So I write them down, and sometimes we'll revisit them and go, okay, yes, it's time for this one. Because if you get too scattered, you know, you can't do a good job at five things, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to kind of focus, and this is what we've gotten a little bit better at. I'm still a little. I try to lovingly direct him <laughs> to, to pare it down just a bit. She'll tell me, okay, when are you going to do that? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Two o'clock yeah. in the morning. No. And so we we do have to kind of harness, uh, you know, or, or hold rein in that that energy of that entrepreneur energy, and so, but. Uh, you know, it's the same thing really in any business because you can have ideas for an expansion or a new idea or a new product for a business. And maybe it's a great idea, but maybe it's not the right time. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to manage that. So again, it's good to have people around you that aren't just, you know, yes men and, and yes women so that they can give you the real feedback as to looking at what it might do, you know, so for sure. 
And how I think one of the the questions you were at, wanting to ask us was about how do we how do we manage this dynamic this relationship, and it's just that we I think we balance one another because like Shane said he has the entrepreneurial mind I didn't start with that I was very I have a schedule of how my life is going to look and and he completely derailed my schedule of how my <laughs> life was going to look um, but I'm I'm more of the the brass tacks the let's go and do and so we balance each other out very well and i think what we have uh, grown in is the ability to communicate around mm -hmm. our different ways of thinking and and be able to connect around that um, sometimes people get their feelings hurt they get their toes stepped on and then they shut down and they just said forget it we're not going to work on this anymore mm -hmm. or i'm not going to work with you or i should have never asked your opinion um we don't play that game because that's not going to get us anywhere um we have learned i don't know what do you think it's taken maybe 10 years <laughs> <laughs> doesn't happen overnight maybe a decade it took some time for us and it was mainly my fault but it, it took some time <laughs> for us to get to where we could really communicate about what what our ideas were what our intentions were what our needs were that was really hard for me to do mm -hmm. um and so once once i kind of grew in that area it made life a lot easier for shane i would like to say it's interesting and, you know i could see a similar dynamic even with reg you know non-relationship right non-couples but you know a leader and his team where the leader has a ton of ideas and the team is like all right let's run with it and then, you know, tomorrow it's like, you've got all those ideas, right? And it's on to the next thing. Um, and if you're not connected on understanding each other, it can really lead you down the wrong path, waste a lot of time and effort and upset a lot of people as well. Right. And if that leader's not humble enough to receive the feedback from the team and to trust the team to say, hey, we need to rein it in or, you know, let's get more serious about this one idea. Uh, if the leader can't hear that, then he's destroying or she is destroying the trust in the connection and the productivity that's there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd like to change topics a bit. I'd love to just dive into a couple communication topics related to the fact that you guys are therapists and, and you've been trained um, around a couple very specific communication areas, I assume anyway. You know, one is asking great questions. Right. And I think it's so important when you're communicating with somebody to really be able to ask good, insightful questions, especially if you want to take the conversation to a deeper place. So I just love your thoughts on how do you ask good questions and how do you take them from those initial questions to the deeper place, if you will? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked it. So I, I don't need any guidance. Then, huh? He doesn't need the training. <laughs> I, I call that the Jedi mind trick. <laughs> I don't think I possess that ability as much as Shane does and other people. I've, I've even asked like my supervisor when I was getting licensed, you know, show me your Jedi mind trick. How do you do this? And it's something <laughs> I've always expected because my mother was so good at asking questions to get information that she wanted without me realizing what she was really getting at. Uh -huh. now, I'll give you a quick example. Um, I was married before Shane for, for two hot years, and um, my mother knew I was not happy in that marriage. She knew I was in a marriage I didn't need to be in, but she wouldn't come right out and tell me that. Instead, she would ask me questions like, Jure, who is your best friend? And I would start telling her who my best friend is, and, and it wasn't the person I was married to. And she'd be like, oh, okay, you know? Mm -hmm. And then that made me think, why did she say, oh, okay? <laughs> I know what she was asking. I know why she was asking me that question. And 
And she's she your best friend now. You, my love, <laughs> all day long, you. Um, but she just had these ways of, of getting information in a in a roundabout way so that it made me think. It wasn't telling me directly. And I'm a very direct person. And that's why I think I lack the capacity to ask those those great Jedi mind trick questions that you want. Um, Shane can help you with that. I'm I'm more direct. And so it's hard for me to, I know the answer. I know that people need to come about the idea themselves in order for it to really register. I understand that. I just don't know. I'm not good at getting that around. I just go straight for it. That's true. <laughs> I always she know does. my limitations. Yeah, but I don't know that I know any Jedi mind tricks. So I think that I would say the key to, to good questions is paying attention, right? So if, I paying, if I'm paying attention to the other person and taking a real interest then, then I can ask a good question. But I have to pay attention to what they're saying. So I want to pay attention to what, what – so I want to show kindness towards them. And so if you just show like the people you probably love talking to are the people who show interest in what you're saying, right? They mm -hmm. show interest in things that are important to you. And so if you want to connect with somebody, then you ask questions about things you know that are important to them, right? And find out more about them and ask questions about them because that's usually people's favorite topic. I would say that to start with. And then the other piece is like, I think I use intuition sometimes. So I, I, as a therapist, like if I have a thought occur to me and it can seem random, I just say those things. <laughs> and a lot of times we find out that, you know, it has a, a meaning to, to the other person. Um, every once in a while we just laugh because I had some silly thought. Um, but most of the time it has some connection. And so I think we pay attention to the thoughts that you do come into your mind. Um, but I, I just pay attention to the other person, like really give them my attention and then the good questions will kind of come because I'm with them, right? So it's those times when we're thinking about our own stuff in the back of our mind, that email I have to write or that project I'm working on and I'm not really connecting to what is going on that I don't ask a good question, right? So I, <laughs> I know another therapist and he said, I, he goes, I don't know how long, but I was staring out the window <laughs> for some period of time. And I had no idea what my client was saying. <laughs> and then he came, he goes, so I asked this question that just this thing that popped into my mind. And he goes, and the client said, that's the best question I've ever heard. And he goes, he goes dude, I don't even have to pay attention. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like Yes, you do. <laughs> I go, you got lucky. So if you really like want to have good questions with kids and employees or your spouse, like just be with them, like give them your attention. And then, and then the good questions will come, like follow up in real sincere way, finding out more. Like I want to find out more about the way you think. I want to find out more about the way you're feeling and what happened there. And then I want to show care and compassion. And so all of those things can come out in my questions if I'm there with them. I think people are a little jaded and maybe defensive a lot of times when we're trying to um, get to know someone, right? And so they may wonder, why are you asking these questions about me? So, so like Shane is saying, connect with them, 
establish trust, as you get them to talk about themselves, they view you as a more trustworthy person. And the more they're willing to say about themselves, that is the door that you can then ask some really sincere follow-up questions and just continue to kind of draw them out in a manner that doesn't scare them away, that doesn't alert the defenses to go up, but that keeps them calm and helps them to feel safe. Like you're a safe person, I can talk to you. And you have to honor that. You have to honor that by not um, responding with, I, I, I consider I'm holding out my hands and a cupping motion with my hands together. It's like if they're giving you a little piece of themselves, you hold that in your hands and you guard it and you don't squish it. You squish it by talking over them. You squish mm -hmm. it by telling them what they have to do. You squish it by using their words against them. Um, there are many different ways that you kind of dishonor what they have given you. But if you honor it, if you hold it and respect it, they're going to feel safe with you and they're going to open up with you. Yeah, that's such a great way to think about it, man. I think that's a really beautiful way to put it. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's really cool. I'm going to start trying to use that in my own head as I'm communicating yeah. with folks. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. I think to your point, learning to truly pay attention to people and understand them is a skill that you have to build over time. It's not something a lot of us are very good at, <laughs> you know, learning to really focus on you and what you're saying and really seeking to understand and not being in my own head and getting over the fear of not having the next question right? I mean, I want to seem smart, right? I want you to like me or whatever. I need to have that next brilliant question to ask you or this really cool thing to tell you so you think I'm awesome. When I need to empty my mind and, and just let them flow naturally and sincerely. But it definitely takes some courage and some practice, I think. And that's humility again. And humility is courageous, right? Not to be thinking about yourself, but to be thinking about the other person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A lot of friends this way, though. So I found in my life that, you know, and I, I, at different times I've had maybe five or six people, and I don't mean to say this braggy, but maybe five or six people at the same time that consider me their best friend. You know? And it's because of this that, and I know it's just because I, I listen and connect and whatever is important to them, I, I ask questions about and connect with them on that. And so I connect and maybe men especially don't do that a lot. Like we don't, <laughs> connect on a meaningful level very much. And the other thing I do is I reach out to, to my friends frequently. And so I call them and check on them. And mm -hmm. again, men are not very good at that either. And so maybe women are doing it less now that they just, I don't know, do social media and not as many phone calls and, and, and in-person visits as they used to. But I think just making a little bit of effort too, so to let people know that they're important to you. Um, so, and that can come in the in the sense of I just reach out. Hey, I was thinking about you. So I, I've made a point to when I think about somebody to reach out to them, um, you know, and, and it might just be, hey, I was just calling to see how you're doing. And so that'll also create a lot of, you know, good relationships in your life. And so, and that's, that's a very basic level communication, right? I just reach mm -hmm. out and say, hey, I was thinking about you. Mm -hmm. um, it means something to people, you know, and, 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 and there might've been a reason you thought of them too. So I've definitely had a bad day and had a friend call me and say, Hey, I was thinking about you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm having a bad day. Thank you. You know, mm -hmm. I need to, to vent, you know, and tell you about some stuff. And so if we pay attention to that uh, instinct or intuition to, to reach out to somebody, then, you know, it can make a big difference in somebody else's life. Yeah. You know, I think something else you brought up around, 
um, listening and paying attention to other people is uh, kind of part of it anyway is reading body language, right? So I'd love to get your thoughts on the importance of reading body language, how we can get good at it, <laughs> you know, anything you can share in that realm because I think it's a, another area where a lot of us can get better. Yeah, so it's about building rapport with someone, um, noticing if they're uncomfortable around you and, and how they begin to kind of follow your movements. You notice they're comfortable once they start doing following or mapping you, right? And it's kind of interesting to see. You can cross your legs or uncross your legs and the person in front of you will cross their leg or uncross their leg when they're in rapport with you because mm -hmm. then you know, okay, they feel safe with me. Until that point, you, you don't really know. You want to figure out how can I help them feel safe in my presence? How can I help them feel um, respected and like they can come to me or talk to me or say what they need to say and I'm going to honor it. Kind of like I was talking about a minute ago. Yeah. And so just noticing, are they following me? Are they mapping me? If I, if I scratch my chin, does the other person scratch their chin? We subconsciously do these things when we that get into, and when we get into rapport <laughs> with one another, we feel kind of as one, like on some level we're at one with one another. That's mm -hmm. a nice place to be. So I think people actually have, do have some sense of intuition about body language. Like if, again, but I think it's paying attention. So if I stay, like if I'm with you, like I'm looking at your eyes and I'm paying attention to you, then I can get a sense of what your body language means just by doing that. Now there's cultural differences too. So you have to acknowledge those. And so if somebody's from a different culture, your body language may be saying something completely different to them than, than how you're expressing yourself. Um, I, I have a funny story that, so when we worked, uh, you were child development research center too, right? We worked at the child development research center um, when in graduate school. And I even, and both of us, did you teach infant development too? Yeah. We both taught infant development. <laughs> <laughs> and so at separate times, so, but one of the things that you do like early on and they do some cool stuff with little kids there at the university. So they had a child development research center right on campus. And a lot of the kids were professors kids. And we learned first, I learned to interact with the kids. And one of the things that they teach you is to uh, do what the kids doing, you know? So if they raise their hand, you raise their hand. And it's kind of teaching them also about communication. I make a movement, you make a movement, and all told them I'm with you, right? Right, that which is what Dre was talking about. And so kids responded very quickly when they saw your body language following their body language, and it, they, they would feel safe. So you could get a kid that was scared or crying, and you just sit the way they sit and be next to them and close to them. And if they're folding their arms, you fold your arms and sit next to them. And all of a sudden they felt like somebody was there paying attention to them and felt safe. And so even at an early age, like, so if you want somebody to feel safe, you can sit like they're sitting and, and get close to them. And, and if it is appropriate to touch, um, you know, depending on who it is. And, and, and so that, and man, the, the, the feeling can just change dramatically by you just paying attention to them. And, and so in an employer sense, you know, I'm not going to touch, but I could sit in a way that makes them feel like I'm listening and I'm paying attention to them. You can lean into 
to the conversation. Not and so to- as, the tone of yeah. your voice and the timbre mm-hmm. of your voice. and The, the rhythm yeah. and mm-hmm. all of those things can kind of make a difference in them connecting to you. And so you can practice this every day in every situation, even like talking to a cashier at the grocery store. Like start, like you'll, when you start noticing them doing the things that you're doing is because you've connected with them, which is what Jure said. When you have conversations at a party or a networking event, although people aren't doing that as much right now, but then that you can do this as an experiment and, and get people to kind of follow along with you or, but, but what you do is you follow along with them and then they'll feel connected. And then you'll, then all of a sudden you can lead. So what that means is if I see them, like Dre said, scratch their chin and I scratch my chin and then I fold my arms and I'll see them fold their arms. And I'm like, now I've, I, you know, we're connected. And so some of it is paying, like staying connected with them. And yes, you, you can kind of read body language, so to speak, but I, I say just give them some sincere attention on your part and you're going to kind of find it. Right. Yeah. Again, not manipulation. <laughs> this is sincere <laughs> bids for connection. Just want to keep reiterating that. hundred <laughs> percent. No, I agree with you. And I think that that is some, some great advice just to think through on a, you know, on a day-to-day level, how we can think about, are we connecting with people? Um, are they connecting with us while still being authentic with it? Right. You don't want to be really inauthentic and doing stuff that just doesn't seem right. And you can't copy every body movement that they make. Right. right. Um, but I think it's, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say, you don't want to come across as mocking, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, but you can, like, if, uh, like if a kid comes in and is like on the floor, if you see a kid that looks lonely and like at the child development center looked lonely, I would go sit next to them. And then I would ask them questions, what they were playing with, or would you like to play with this or that sort of thing? and sit with them on the floor though, right? So a lot of times it's like the level of connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And like in a therapeutic sense, I used to work at the juvenile justice center. If we wanted to have like a real serious conversation with the the youth there, I would have them sit on the floor because it would change like the way, like, oh, it's serious now, right? Mm -hmm. You can do little things to make little changes that will change the whole kind of feeling of a conversation and what's going on. So you can make people feel safe. You can make people like pipe up. Oh, it, there, it, you know, it's serious mode. Like every mom has mom voice, right? Yep. <laughs> mom <I'm> serious now. <laughs> right. And kids know that, like they figure that out pretty quick. Oh, mom's serious. We better, you know, it's time to act now. And so all the, even little kids are good at it. It's again, as we get older, it's just a matter of like paying attention. Like, so you already have the skills there in terms of, you know, what it means when somebody does something, just mm-hmm. if you prioritize them and show them some, you know, t- give them some time, then it'll make the difference. Yeah. So just a few more questions I'd like to ask everybody who I have on the show. First question is around the power of conversations. So I'm a big believer that, you know, one conversation can really change your life in the direction that you take. So I always like to ask the folks on my show, if there's one conversation that you can point to that had a really meaningful impact on the path that you ended up taking. Well, I gave you my example with my mom that had a huge Mm -hmm. impact on me and it really made me realize, oh crap, I'm not in a marriage that I need to be in. Um, That was very important to me. And she wanted me to know that, but she wasn't going to tell me because she knew I would not 
take it from her that way. Mm-hmm. Um, she had to make it <clears throat> so that I, I had to ponder it and come about, uh, around to it. Um, and that's why it was so powerful for me. I don't, what do you, what is it? Something for you? I, I think Dre and I have had a bunch of those, like where I feel like we've had conversations that changed the whole like, oh, the direction of our, definitely. of our life. Yeah. And so the, yeah. you know, so we sit down and we have either more serious or even more kind of fun conversations where we're kind of thinking about our future and envisioning our life. Now, I think we had our first one on our third date where we talked about getting married. So, um, so wow. Dre and, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we saw each other Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And on Sunday, we were talking about getting married. We knew we were going to get married. And so it was that fast. And so we were actually at, we walked to, uh, to the park and we sat down and we had this conversation about being together forever. And, uh, which sounds crazy after, you know, four, three days, three days. by Jerry's count, three days <laughs> by mine, four, we disagree about what our first date was. Another That's story. another story. But so we had this conversation about, and it was really kind of surreal. I remember it very clearly because of, of what the conversation was. It was a big deal, but it was weird to me that we were so clear that we were the right person for each other in such a quick fashion to figure that out. And so it had this meaningful impact on me, uh, you know, and we're still together 20 years later. We've had a bunch of those. And a lot of them are about things that are like who we want to become. Like those are the big conversations for me. The ones that I remember are about who I want to become. And then somebody who has an, a vested interest in that, in, in me, those are the people that have made the biggest impact on my life. The ones that were in, interested in who I was going to become. And so I could probably list five or six other people that have had conversations with me like that. I remember a, an eighth grade English teacher um, that believed in me and thought I was really smart and would tell me that all the time. And she was the one who bumped me up into AP classes and it really changed me and my confidence level. And I did, I started doing really, really well in school. I've had professors that made a big difference as well. So we have a professor, um, uh, Dr. Richard Wampler, he's retired now, but he, uh, he didn't get along with everybody. He was a little bit like, I was going to say like Dre, but not like Dre, because Dre, Dre's direct. Richard is like crazy direct. Like, so he would say really rough stuff to you. But it, once you got past that, like he was such a softy on the inside. You know, so we would have these conversations that would start off with, no joke, he'd be like, Shane, you really suck at therapy. And I'm like, okay, Richard. <laughs> now, how do I, you know, so some, some students were done, like they shut off right there and I wouldn't, and I'd stay with them and I'd say, what do I need to do? And he would, and then he would kind of walk me through, you know, ways that I can improve and what he saw. And, you know, and later I even, I would argue with him. I'd be like, nah, I'm pretty good. And so <laughs> we'd have these conversations and, and, uh, but the ones who are, but he, again, he was vested in who I was going to become. Right. So those are the conversations that I remember changing my life, like those people. So if you really want to be connected to somebody and you want to have those conversations that really are meaningful and be interested in who somebody else is and who they're going to become. And that kind of interest and sincerity in your, in your message and your conversation with them, that those are life changing. Yeah. 
No, that's, that's powerful. So last question for you, who is the best communicator that you know, either know of or know personally? And why do you say that about them? And I don't know if you can say each other. (laughs) (laughs) That might be cheating. (laughs) That's a fair fair statement. That's a fair (laughs) engagement. All right. I, I I still, I go back to my mom um, because mother was very direct. Um, I'm like her in a lot of ways, but again, in a lot of ways, she knew how to, everybody loved her. Uh, she could say whatever was on her mind and she would. Um, and they just thought she was the cutest thing ever. And, and, and it was because she was kind and she was compassionate and she was genuinely interested in the person that she was talking to. Everybody that I know that knows that knew mom would, would tell me, um, when she passed away, they told me how special she made them feel. She would, she would pull them aside individually and just talk to them and ask them how they were doing. And it made them feel so important and special. And I know that, that, that is, um, you know, what you were talking about, Shane, helping people feel like they're talking to somebody who's invested in them and who they, who can, who they can become instead of, what are you right now? What can you do for me? Mm-hmm. Um, mother had that gift. She had that gift. I, d- I don't. <laughs> she, she was so awesome, but it was so funny. Cause I would be like, she would talk to me. Like if I gained a few pounds, she'd be like, Hey Shane, I think you've gained a few pounds. But, and, and so she would just say stuff like there was no filter there, but it was funny because of how she was received by everyone. Cause she would do that with anybody. Yes. And she'd be like, Hey, I noticed she gained a few pounds. Right. But she, she was so kind and loving and caring that people accepted it. Like it was easy. Like, you know, it wasn't, nobody would get upset with her because she was just so kind and loving. And so I think it was just about who she was <laughs> mm-hmm. that she, she had a way of being able to say hard things to people or difficult things without people getting mad at her. So I would say um, I had a professor, a different professor, uh, Wayne Routenberg. And so when he's passed away, but he was my very first. So I had already had a psychology major but he was my very first intro to psychology professor so he was my intro to the whole industry and and man he was just so awesome so he took a vested interest in all of his students like he wanted to learn about us and then he took these little moments like he would teach psychology and the theories and the ideas in the book but then he would turn them on us and talk to us about our lives and and he would tell us give us these little tidbits of wisdom. Um, and, and I just remember so many of them. And so several things stand out there in terms of how, how good he was at communicating and leading a class is, is that he would, he cared about us and we knew about it. We, you know, so he expressed that, um, all the time that he wanted us to get the most out of his class. And he would, and he would, and he would talk to us about that all the time. And then he would ask he'd pull you aside just like your mom and he would be he would pull me aside and be like how are things going how are the classes you know I was working where I worked he knew where you know what my schedule was like he just knew things about me and he took an interest of me as a side note he invited me to play racquetball he was 64 or 5 at the time and uh, and I was 18 and I happened to play racquetball all the time and he whooped me so badly. <laughs> it was 
I was like, wow. <laughs> so he had this, and it, he would still build me up during this process. Like, he'd be like, you almost had that one. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> he'd have me running around the court, and then I'd be a sweaty mess, and at the end, he'd be fine. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. It took me till I was a senior in college before I started beating him, and it was still – about 50-50. Like he was a really good racquetball player. But he still every time he he was the same no matter what. If I beat him, he'd be he was fun and grateful. And if he beat me, he was fun. People that are like that that are just fun to be around, you know. So you listen to them because you know they care. So mm-hmm. if you want to be a good communicator, care, you know, show them real care. And same thing with employees and your staff or your spouse. Like if you show people you really care and you're vested in them, then communication is easy because they're going to listen to you. Yeah. Probably a pretty great day the day you beat them the first time, huh? It was pretty awesome. <laughs> I wanted to cry. And, uh, you know, and he was like, good game, you know, and he was just, he, he was the same. Like it didn't change anything for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's a great message though, like to be a better communicator, care right? The more you care, the better communicator you're going to be at, at its core. Yeah. So final, final question, where can folks find out more about what you guys are up to? Or where can they learn more about your practice and the new venture that you mentioned? Great. Uh, we are at nextlevelcouples.com. And that's where you can uh, learn about us, join our community, uh, buy our classes. We have our bios up at intentionallifetherapy.com. So you can also, there's blogs on that website and more information about us and our practice. Um, but if you want to learn about the nextlevelcouples.com, or if you want to learn more about Next Level Couples, go to nextlevelcouples.com. <laughs> yeah, tricky there. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we're, we're always adding stuff and we're looking to build, like she said, it's, a, it's an actual community. It kind of works like a social media site where there's posts and ideas and responses. And we've just started building that, but we're having a lot of fun with it already. And, you know, if, if your relationships are good, I tell you, life is just a lot easier, right, to, to manage. Like, so if, if things are good between Dre and I, even if we hit some challenges, then I can handle it, right? And so when when stuff's bad at home, then the other stuff gets really hard to deal with. Yeah. And so this is why we do what we do is because we want to help people have the things at home be strong um, because then they can handle all the rest of their stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I love about you guys is that you really practice what you preach, right? It's clear that um, you're building a strong relationship in the midst of building a strong business, but it's also clear that that's not easy and it takes work every day. And you guys are, are doing that work and tripping and getting up and tripping and getting up like we all do. Absolutely. Just maybe getting up a little bit faster, as you said earlier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we mend it faster, right? So I make mistakes all the time, but I've just gotten a lot quicker at apologizing. You know, <laughs> I'm not just apologizing, but well, yeah. you, you recognize why I'm hurt and then we can talk about that. Well, yes, but I, I it used to be like, you know, I'd stick more like, man, I'm right. So I'm oh, going yeah. to stay here because yeah. I'm right. Yeah. And then I'm like, man, that I'm, I'm sure lonely. <laughs> so, <laughs> lonely being right. And, uh, you know, so now it's like I, I soften quicker, you know, so because there's I would much rather you know, be in good terms with her than, you know, stick to my gun, so to speak. And so, and, and, and man, I just, a lot of times it isn't that I'm the, 
I have to prove, you know, it's not about being right. It's about coming around and softening and listening to each other. Right. And so if one of you softens and listens, it changes the whole thing. Even, even if, because what happens a lot of times is then she'll listen to my side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once I listen to hers and then she might even agree with me and I'm like, what have we been arguing about? (laughs) That happens. Or sometimes I listen to her and I agree with her, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. And so, just soften and have the conversations and, and it sounds difficult at first, but, and it is kind of difficult like to Absolutely have, have sure. those tough conversations, but man, it saves you a lot of heartache and pain and, you know, and, and problems because now you just, just go ahead and suck it up and, and listen and, 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 and come from a kind, sincere place because if that person's really important to you, then you'll do that. You'll give that to them. You've yeah. gotten really good at that. Thank you, baby. Yes, you have. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. I thought this was great. A lot of tremendous advice for the audience, I think, around a lot of things, right? Leading a business, coaching your team, leading your team, but also developing strong relationships at home. So just really appreciate the guidance and advice today. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Greg. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.